everybody, and welcome to another edition of RZ Weekly, our weekly podcast about religious Zionism, modern orthodoxy, the state of Israel, and everything in between. Uh, as we look forward to yet another closure, another segue coming later on this week, I want to go back and talk about an, an item, an issue that came up in the news a, a little bit more than a week ago, perhaps, that was something that's very close to my, uh, to my heart, the issue of civil marriage in Israel, or the lack of civil marriage here in Israel. I'm here with Rabbi Johnny Solomon, uh, a noted educator. Hello. Hi, Johnny. Hi, there. Rabbi Nitamali Brodsky. Hi. Hi. <laughs> You're waiting for me to say hello. Welcome. <laughs> okay. And I'm just going to, for those people who are not following, it was an item in the news. It was a very brief item in the news. But, I, but really, if you follow these things, it could have been, it had the potential to be an earth-shattering item in the news that really went under the radar. The item was as follows, that there was a number of couples, very small number of couples, who had learned that one could marry online via the state of Utah without having, having to actually be in the state of Utah. So you could register to marry in Utah. You don't have to be a citizen of Utah. You have the marriage over Zoom, wherever you are. You register the marriage in Utah. And then, according to the Medina, Utah, state of Utah, you're officially, you're officially married. So these couples did that. A couple of these couples did that. And then they got official documents, their official marriage certificate, and they sent it to the Misrata Pnim, to the Ministry of Interior, Interior, Ministry of the Interior here in Israel. Interior. And the rule in Israel is that, uh, if, that while there's no such thing as civil marriage um, in Israel itself, if a person gets married civilly in another country outside of Israel, the government of the state of Israel will recognize that marriage for the purpose of citizenship, for the purpose of legality, you know, to be recognized as legally married according to the government, according to the Ministry of the Interior. These couples figured that out and they submitted their documents and the documents went through the whatever and were approved. Like they were, you know, I don't know if they were surprised or not surprised. They were approved. Yeah, sure. That's a, that's a legal document. The day that, that that was reported and they interviewed a, a woman on this radio show that I listen to all the time called Kalman Lieberman. If you're a Hebrew speaker, it's really, you can get it on a podcast also. It's very much worthwhile. I actually enjoy listening to it quite a bit. And the, the reporter was like, yeah, we, we called the Misrata Pneum and they were like, yeah. <laughs> it's true. We allowed it. Not four hours later, the Minister of the Interior, Molly, do you know who the Minister of the Interior is? Aryeh Dari. Aryeh Dari, a member of the Shas political party, said, um, nobody asked me this question. I don't think so. And he gave an order to put a halt to these approvals pending uh, study of the issue. He essentially said, not on my watch, and buried it. I, have, I just heard this week that, of course, they sued in the Supreme Court, and it's going to get to the Supreme Court. Does R.A. Dari have the right to hold it up? That's another issue entirely. First of all, what I find fascinating is clearly there are forces within the Ministry of the Interior that didn't want to ask the question and wanted to approve these marriages. And one of them was a gay marriage, I think. They were definitely not uh, legal marriages in Israel. So it's interesting that the ministry approved the marriages without the Minister of the Interior knowing it. Okay, But it raises the whole specter of civil marriage in Israel. There is no mechanism, so many people don't realize this, or people who are probably listening to this podcast do know this, there is no such thing as, well, I would say there is no such thing. For the vast majority of Israelis, they cannot marry civilly in the state of Israel. They can't go and be married by a justice of the peace. 
Moreover, there is no inter-religious inter marriage in the state of Israel. You have to marry under a specific religion. Jews marry in the Jewish religion, Muslims marry in the Muslim religion, Christians marry in the Christian religion. There's no way of a Christian and a Jew, I think legally, getting married in the state of Israel, which is really interesting. And obviously it raises the specter of all kinds of, of fascinating problems of religion and state. And so the state sort of, like the, the Haredi parties or the religious parties look the other way because they realize that there's a reality and fine, and, and if you want to get married outside of Israel. And this raised the whole uh, a specter of, of the ability to get married civilly in Israel or without having to go through the rabbinate, and also without having to travel outside of Israel, having to go to Cyprus, which is a huge industry, having to travel somewhere else and have somebody uh, arrange your marriage. So many people, people who know me, if you don't know me, I've worked for a number of years for the, an organization called Sohar, Irgun Rabbanate Sohar, and we conduct marriages through the Israeli rabbinate. It is, it is a conduit of the Rabbanut Rashid, and, and, and we perform official marriages. So this issue is very near and dear to my heart, the issue of civil marriages. So what I wanted to discuss with, after that long, long introduction, which I apologize for, I hope that wasn't uh, too much, I want to turn over to Johnny and Molly and ask the question. So we know that this fact that there's no civil marriage, um, Johnny, I want you to sort of take apart the question. We live in a democratic society. Do you, do you think there should be civil marriage in Israel for people to follow their, their religion or lack of religion? How does that jive with your Jewish sensitivities? And what about the issue of fairness for all the people who are legal citizens of this country but can't marry at all? Okay, so firstly, thank you for the introduction. And what I want to do is share what I understand to be true and feel free to push back. You're more of an expert than I in the issue. Uh, and uh, it's important that we try and base our opinions on fact. So first and foremost, I, I want to clarify to the best of my understanding that there is no civil marriage for people of faith in Israel. But since 2010, there is an arrangement called the Civil Union Law for citizens without an affiliation. Mm. That is, permission is granted for people of no faith to be civilly married, but people of faith cannot do so. So uh, what that means is such a marriage can occur not under the radar of any particular faith, and then that marriage is recognized by Misadapni. The problem is that there are lots of people of faith whose marriages won't be approved by the chief rabbinate. That is, for example, that their Jewishness is not recognized. Uh, they're not halachically Jewish. Or they're marrying somebody whom halacha would not permit them, according to general normative mechanics of halacha, for them to marry. So the issue and Just to clarify, to be specific, like uh, a widow wants to marry, uh, I'm sorry, a divorcee wants to marry a Kohen, for example, or a convert. Right. So, so to, again, uh, correct me if I'm uh, mistaken, but our question specifically isn't about the existence necessarily of serial marriages of people of no faith. It's a possibility of civil marriages of people of faith for whom their marriages are an impossibility with the current systems whereby the chief rabbinate uh, ruling according to their interpretation of, of orthodox halakha won't allow certain weddings to take place. For example, even if somebody has converted 
Alpi Halakha, but that conversion is not recognized by the Abanut, then that person is not considered Jewish Alpi Halakha in their eyes, and a wedding can't take place, etc. Et okay, so I'll clarify. Let's right, let's pull back. I'll say, yeah, let's leave the rabbinate out of it for once. I don't, I don't, I don't even know I'm saying you could criticize the rabbinate, but the rabbinate's role is religious marriage. So it's a political question. A person, exactly the question you said, as a as someone, and then I'll, I'll let Molly chime in. As a, you were born in England, you are raised with the, with the principles of democracy and fairness and freedom of expression and freedom of religion. And yet you come here to Israel and someone who is non-Jewish, not, not Jewish, but Israeli by all, you know, by all rights, by the right of return and a full citizen, simply cannot marry, cannot get married in this country. Does that not... Rank, does that not rankle some part of part of you? I'm sorry, Molly wanted to. Yeah, wanted I just to want to say one thing because um, you actually sent a very interesting article about the sociology um, of what's actually a real politics, a real reality on the ground, um, and it seems that the people who uh, are looking to get married civilly and can't in Israel and therefore are availing themselves of things like getting married in Cyprus are two categories. One, the one that Johnny just described, which are people that cannot marry. Um, according to Jewish law, um, and or, or I, don't, I mean I don't know if this happens in other religions, but we certainly know that in Jewish law, and, it, def it definitely happens in other religions. Okay, too. so that's yes, very interesting. And people who who are who don't, as Johnny said, see that article seems to imply that you can people who are of no religion can marry each other civilly, but people who are of a religion, right, they consider themselves Jewish, but they don't want to marry. Um, with the rabbinate for whatever reason, and the demographic that he described is is um, um, more wealthy Ashkenazi secular, but they still consider themselves Jews, right? Jewish Israelis. Those are the two categories that would like to avail themselves of the opportunity to be married civilly, and they're the ones who tend to go to Cyprus. And it's 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 not a large percentage of the population, but it's enough people that I agree with you that it's a very serious issue that should be addressed which I know is not your question right uh, now. Your question right now is a much broader one to Johnny, but I, I just wanted to clarify, those seem to be the people who um, are running, are, are kind of hitting, everybody else seems to be okay with the idea of getting married in a religious setting. Well, we're gonna come back to what people think. I'm gonna ask, I first wanna know theoretically what, yeah. what you think. So I'll ask Johnny first. I asked Johnny a question. I wanna know what the answer is. How do you feel about it? So, so I, I believe that to inhibit people to concretize relationships which are legitimate um, is morally problematic. And I'm, I, I hope I've chosen my words carefully because, of course, those words are weighted, right? <laughs> what you mean by legitimate and to concretize a whole variety of different things. What I do know is why is this being brought to the fore? There is both the opportunity that arose from this Utah solution, but what? how come this is something which is being discussed now? Of course, it's been an issue which has continued even since the 50s. It's precisely from what you said, because there are, is a number of people, tens of thousands of people, who are not eligible to marry under the chief rabbinate for whatever reason, and you say, let's not get into the particulars as to why, but there are tens of thousands of people who want to marry who can't with the current systems of faith. And the other option, which is a not great option, but has been an option used by many, which is called traveling, is not a possibility during COVID. So yeah. there are among these tens of thousands of people, they would go with clenched teeth oftentimes 
to a, a local country, get married and kind of say, listen, I did what I did because the system doesn't work for me here. But they can't do that. And COVID's continuing. And people want to progress with their lives because you can't live kind of in a static way during such a difficult time period. And so the question is, what do we do with these people? We can simply say, sorry, you are the um, casualties of COVID. But actually, there's enough real casualties for COVID. And we need to be a little bit more creative. I mean, there's lots of discussion about being creative in terms of medical solutions and economic solutions. Really, the reason why we're discussing this topic today is how can we be creative in terms of these social problems, which are grating at and I think uh, shattering the souls of many fine citizens of the modern state of Israel, who for whatever reason don't fit within the mold that currently exists. Is that, is that a fairly useful summary of where things are at? So what I, in terms of uh, Ruby's question, he asked, what do I think about it? As mentioned, you know, it, it is morally problematic, but we're also, you know, sharing here our sentiments as people of faith, as people who see the state as having uh, strong Jewish underpinnings, reflecting a certain measure of Jewishness. And the question really is, how do you find a balance? And we've discussed this many times. How do you find a balance between prompting, promoting and pushing the Jewishness of the state and recognizing that there's diversity which is increasing? I don't know if you saw, Mali, but uh, I turned on the news um, uh, on the 31st of December. It's dumb because I try and watch the news once in a while. And on the 31st of December in the news, what they did is they give, gave some pictures demographics of where we are in the state of Israel, how many people, right? what's the size of the population, what percentage are Jewish. And Israel is a diverse population. And that's something which we need to be cognizant of. And there seems to be a number of different camps in the religious Zionist world, some which are ardent to maintain things as are, and some, such as uh, a number of Chavri uh, Knesset and others, who say it's intolerable that people cannot marry, especially during a global pandemic. That's unreasonable, immoral, and needs to be addressed right now. So so those are my thoughts. Yeah, so first of all, I, I definitely agree with a lot of what Johnny said. I happen to know that um, the COVID thing, ha ha the issue that Johnny raised has real implications. For example, converts, right? The In general, um, people are converted well I don't I don't want to go into the details but let me let me just say that there are people who are waiting for their conversions and for whatever technical reason can't have their conversions happen because the conversions are linked to also being civilly married and I won't go into the details of what type of conversions I'm talking about and, and what the details are but because they have no recourse to civil marriage right now right the entire their entire conversion is on hold so Johnny is right that the, that the, there's a real um, uh, like very current issue with this with with this uh, with this whole situation today. But I I think even in the larger sense, I think Ruby's question was a larger question of what do we think of this system, right? What do we think of the system that says you can only be married religiously? Um, fundamentally, what do we think of that? And 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 what about the fact that 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 leaves certain people out in the cold? So. I, 
the, the way that I relate to this question is, as, as Johnny said, I think for me, there is a question of balance. I, I, I'm not fundamentally a person who believes that we should just demolish the idea of um, people getting married here religiously. Um, I, first of all, I, Ruby had sent an article that talks about, as I said, talks about the, 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 the sociology of the country. It's called Fragmentary Theory of Secularization and Religionization, Changes in Family Structure as a Case Study by somebody named Natano Fisher. He wrote it for the Open University, University of Tucha. And he argues, and I think he's really right, that, that, that the state of Israel is a good example of um, two trends happening at the same time increasing secularization and increasing religious affiliation. And they're both happening, and we have to understand that they're both happening. And I think that that's an important way of, of, of I think you, you can't understand Israeli society unless you understand that both things are happening and the interplay between them. But, but the reason I'm citing that is because this, that, th that study argues that the majority of, is of Israelis are very happy to get married in a religious structure. And I personally think that that's a good thing. Um, and I'm not even necessarily talking from a Jewish perspective. It's just my own personal belief that societies that... I'm not saying that separation of church and state isn't important. Of course it is. Um, at the same time, I think that societies that, are, that have religion as a, um, kind of a scaffold for, for societal norms, I, I happen to think that's healthy for society. I, 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 that's just my own personal opinion. Um, and so... I'm not, I, I wouldn't say, you know, burn down the whole thing, you know, as Ruby's saying, it's not fair, it's not right, we should, you know, or not that you necessarily propose that, Ruby. Oh, I, I said it's not fair and it's not right, I didn't say burn down the right. whole thing. so I'm saying, I, I, I don't want <laughs> to lose the idea of, you know, th that the default is religious marriage. That being said, I don't know what, I don't know what my answer to the question is about, of, should Israel just create a mechanism for civil marriage? I think that, the, like, my gut says, of course it should. Why not? Let the, the, for the people who either can't marry religiously, and we need a solution for them, and for the people who don't want to marry religiously, let's, let's give them that option. And, and the, the optimistic perspective there is, like many things in Israel, um, you know, there are people who say, like, the minute you, 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 you mandate Brit Milah, you mandate, you mandate um, mezuzahs, and you mandate Leil HaSeder, you know, the numbers are going to go down. It, you know, ironically, when something is not mandated, this fear, right, that unless something is mandated, people will be less religiously observant may not be true. So it could be that this is just a giant boogeyman and allow the civil marriages and, and don't be afraid that like, oh my gosh, now there'll be like droves of secular people who are going to choose to marry civilly who would therefore, uh, who, who would previously have been happy to marry religiously and the entire, you know, nature of the state of Israel is going to change. It's not necessarily true. Maybe we should just put, you know, put that, put that fear on, on the side, allow civil marriages, which would solve many, many people's problems and have faith that, that. You know, as as you know, the, the the culture of Israel will still will still be such that that enough people will be marrying religiously that 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 element of the the social structure of Israel will remain the same. Am I, on the other hand, could that could that be wrong? Th that being said, Molly, there's um, I'm gonna push back a little bit because at least from my experience, the idea of marrying within the rabbinut, like you said, many people to many people, it's important to them. To many, many, many people, it's important to them. So I want to make one more point. But before I do that, let's take a quick break for a message from our sponsors. 
Hi there, this is Rabbi Johnny Solomon, and I'd like to tell you a little bit about my virtual learning community, as well as the opportunities I've now created for people to have sessions with me for spiritual coaching, for halachic consultations, and for one-to-one learning. Have you ever faced a situation where you want to get some advice about your spiritual direction, religious choices you're making, and you're not quite sure who to turn to? Or perhaps there is somebody you'd like to talk with, but they simply haven't got the time. Or maybe you have a Sheila, and rather than wanting a simple answer, you want to have a better understanding of the sugya, of the issues involved. Over many years, people have turned to me for advice, and as a result of that, I've now created a virtual learning community, where I am, for many people, a virtual rabbi of sorts. People turn to me and... I make time so that I can hear from them, talk with them, help them grow and give them guidance, direction and understanding. To find out more, please visit my website, rabbijohnnysolomon.com, where you can either book in for a standalone spiritual coaching, halachic consultation, or one-to-one session, or where you can join my VLC, my virtual learning community. Thank you. This episode of RZ Weekly is brought to you by Kita for Home Plus. We all know families whose children are not studying in formal Jewish education for any number of reasons. Could be COVID, could be the school wasn't right for them, could be financial but they still are looking for a meaningful Jewish learning solution for their children. That's why we created Kita for Home Plus. Kita for Home Plus is modeled after the world-famous Khan Academy using flipped learning, YouTube videos, and Google Forms to allow children to learn classic Judaic subjects, Mishnah, Chumash, and Gemara, on their own time, on their own schedule, in a way that's exciting and meaningful for them to learn. We're starting a new semester of Kitab for Home called Kitab for Home Plus, in which children will learn three courses, Mishnah, Chumash, and Gemara, each week, plus have a Zoom lesson to meet with the teacher, that would be me, as well as interact with other students in the class. Kitab for Home lessons are designed for students in middle school from grades five through grades eight, and focus on basic skills, decoding of text, understanding of Shorashim, critical skills that children need that serve as a foundation for Jewish learning throughout their lives. To learn more, log on to kita.org slash home plus. That's kita, K-I-T-A-H dot O-R-G slash home plus. And now, back to the show. And we're back. As I was saying, to many Israelis, it's very important to them to be able to marry within the Rabbanut of Rashid, in the traditional Jewish wedding, halachic wedding. And therefore, the inability to do that is certainly an issue, an impediment for people to marry someone who is not halachically they're able to marry. And also compels many, many people to, to undergo the conversion process so that they won't have to deal with this or their children won't have to deal with it in the future. Right. I mean, there's a little bit of, there's a little bit of social engineering going on you're saying that, it pushes towards conversion the, because now I'll convert and then I'll be able to marry. But do you think that those people, if they 
won't still, you know this much more than I do, you work with, with this. If you, you think if there would be a civil, and I'm asking really honestly because I don't know what I think. It could be that I could be convinced that no, you know, opening the Pandora's box of legally allowing civil marriage will create, you know, too, a lot of damage to the fabric of Israel. And I, I, that's why I'm saying I don't know. Uh, so, so it's I'm impossible asking, to know. I don't have enough, ex- I don't have enough experience right. to tell so, you. So, so I'm saying, that I, that's why I don't have an answer to the question. But I, I do know that those are my questions, right? Those are my values. My values are to allow people um, who can't marry, at least to marry civilly, without having to... Um, you know, as as Johnny said, fly to Cyprus and do all kinds of other things, which I think, besides being morally difficult, it, it does not exactly... Zoom at Utah. <laughs> yeah, whatever. It doesn't exactly, you know, endear religion to people. Um, and also, for, for the people who for whom it just feels like fiat religious conversion, and I don't necessarily know that we, we want to alienate those people either. So that's the side that's like, okay, so just allow it. And then the other side is, but I, I, I do fundamentally believe that that, that, that the system that in which, in which, again, the default is religious marriage, and, and most people want religious marriage, and most people are happy if that's the default to avail themselves of that. I, I think that that's healthy and positive from, from again, a, a sociological perspective and also a Jewish perspective. And so I, I don't know if I want to... I don't know what happens when you play with those rules. I don't know what's, what's, what the results are going to be, which is why I'm glad I don't have to make this decision. So it's interesting. I, I, I one of the things that I do in Sar, other than doing marriage, doing weddings, and uh, Molly mentioned beforehand that she um, that she uh, was a madrichat kalot for for Tzohar. and Sar works very hard to make weddings more amenable and more approachable from the perspective of secular couples. That it should be an ex- enjoyable experience, a positive experience. But uh, one of the things that I do is uh, I'm what's called the mevarer yahadut. I try to help people prove their Jewish status when they come from English-speaking countries. And in general, it's always, almost always possible. If you are halachically Jewish, it's, oh, I've never had a case where I couldn't help, maybe one time out of thousands that I could help, couldn't find ways to prove that somebody is uh, halachically Jewish. But you, you encounter and you start to, and you realize that the people, well, I guess it's sort of a self-selecting group because the people coming to Tzohar, by definition, want to marry within the rabbinu. They're not looking for, they're not looking for outs. So, but in the weddings, Johnny, are you are you a rab mechaten in Soar? Did they get no, their I hands on you? Want I'd consider doing so, but not yet. Let's put it that way. Not yet, not yet. Okay. So it's interesting when I meet couples. So one of the rules that Soar has is you cannot marry a couple without meeting them first, which is a big deal because you know you're not just showing up. You're not a functionary. They see you as a rabbi. It's it's the first time that many of them have ever been in a, in a religious house. So they come and they interact with you. And I know Molly David is also a rab mechaten every now and then for mm-hmm. Soar. So one of the questions I always ask them is, so why are you getting married? Yeah. And they're like, what do you mean, why are we getting married? We're getting married. I said, no, 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 but you've been living together until now, right? You know, and the answer is always, if they're not religious, yes, they live together. I said, so, so why are you getting married? And interestingly, what they always say is, well, we've been living together for five years, and we realize it's, it's time to have children, so it's time to get married. And I, and I say to them something which they don't really understand. I said, but why are you getting married? Meaning, like, what is this? And then that, that brings, brings us to a much more deeper conversation about what they think marriage is and what it means to them. And hopefully it brings it to some deeper conception of what, of what Kiddushin is. And, you know, like this, but it's, it's, a, it's a fascinating phenomenon, from my experience, from that Israeli couples, when they're single, they have no problem living together. The halakha is not an issue for them at all. But Israel is very conservative, with a small C, at least it still is, 
with a small c when it comes to this issue, that before they, they have children, before they build a home, before they have a household, many, like especially the traditional community, the Sephardic community, but even in the Ashkenazi community, it's a cultural norm in Israel to get married. Yeah, that so they that want the to be married. Mentioned that. So, I just want to say one thing about that, because when I was in Matrichat Kalot for Tzohar, that was one of the things that they explained to us. They said, you have to understand that the couples that you're meeting have been living together. The reason that they're getting married is because they probably want to have children. But what's important to, what's important to also understand is that they view, they, they understand that marriage is a different relationship than what they had before. They realize that there's something that's happening now that's, that's different from the life that they were living before, which I think is fascinating. And again, this article points out that... So I, I'm going to push back on that. I don't think they, th they... I asked them that. I said, what's going to be different? And they always say, oh, nothing's different, but really? we should be married when we have children. We're not going to We're not gonna have children without being married. Okay. You know so, what I'm saying? It's, I, almost I, like, it's almost like this, this perception in their mind of... Right. You, you can't bring... You can't have kids without being what married. What I'm saying is... So may, maybe it's also not that... If they realize it or they don't, but... The point was that it, that's what ends up happening, right? Realistically, what ends up happening is once they get married, something shifts in their, um, in their, in their sense of themselves as a couple. But, okay, either they are aware. Uh, of it or, I don't or know that, if that's true. That was, I honestly have no idea if that's true. That's what was claimed as you know in the Hadrachot, uh, you know Madrichot Kalot, um, and that's how uh -huh. we, you know we weren't trained to teach them the ins and outs of details of what you do. We were, we were we were taught to talk to them about, as you said, the deeper meaning of marriage in Judaism. Um, but again, I do find it quite fascinating that that's, that's unique, I don't know if unique, but unusual to Israel um, among Western countries, that, 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 it, that it has that. Yeah, Johnny? Right. So what I want to, so then what I want to say is, like, so I'll say from my perspective, being as someone who's like, I guess, a tool of the Rabbanut, I, I, I don't work for the Rabbanut, but I, I, I facilitate marriages within the Rabbanut, I... I understand the unfairness of it all, and I think that like I, 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 it bothers me greatly that someone who's a full citizen can't marry as an American. But I think there's a the value statement of what does it mean that marriage is in a, in this country is in a religious context, and I think about it in in, a, in larger terms. Like, you know, we we tend to think like what is marriage? Marriage, okay, it, and on one level, it's a civil contract between a man and a woman that they want to form a new entity called a family, called a, you know, a marriage union, and that has certain legal ramifications. Even in Jewish law, it has very specific legal, legal ramifications. But we believe that it's a lot more than that. It's, 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 it's a sanctification, it's a, it's a realization and actualization of two people that, that has great meaning within our, within our society and in our culture. And I think that the lack of, I don't know if people think about it so much, but the lack, the fact that there is no such thing as secular marriage, that you can't get married simply by going on a Zoom and, and filling out a form on the internet, it speaks volumes about what marriage is and what it's not. And it could very well be, like, you know, we see the, 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 the incredible, um, the word is not destruction, but the diminution and the, uh, of the value of marriage in Western society today. That marriage is considered almost like an anathema unless you're a homosexual in which you want the right to get married. But why would, why would heterosexual couples be married at all? It's just, a, it's just a, like people say, it's just a ceremony. It doesn't really mean anything. And, and that's backed up by the fact that, you know, it, you can break up the marriage very, very easily. You know, think about the, the, how difficult it is to end a marriage in Jewish life, in Jewish law. It's very hard. 
It's very complicated. So that also speaks to the value of the institution itself, whether you want to say that's a good thing or a bad thing. And I think that getting rid of that or allowing civil marriage um, would diminish the status of marriage in, in the Jewish state. It would change it. It would fundamentally alter it. And so I don't really know. I don't know what the solution is. I, I think maybe you're right. Like there should be like a default and then it should be possible to get married civilly, but it should be hard. If you understand what I'm saying, that it shouldn't be the easiest thing to do. There have to be loops and hoops to jump through that if you really can't and you really won't or whatever. And that's what they tried to do, interestingly enough. But I guess couples found it was just easier to fly off to Cyprus and get married than try to declare yourself of no religion or whatever. Johnny, you wanted to say something. So first and foremost, just two things. One, actually referring back to some of the ideas taught by Rabbi Sachs. And secondly, relating to how marriage is understood, appreciated and experienced here in Israel. So Rabbi Sachs, a major, major message that he uh, communicated over decades is the centrality of marriage in the family. Why? Because he was a religious leader in a growingly secular country for which he strongly believed that the family, uh, faith and community are all linked together. And he said, you lose one, you lose all three. And so in many, many uh, instances, even when in speaking in the House of Commons, he said, I urge you, the one thing I can tell you as a representative of my faith is protect marriage and the family. Now, I want to make that clear because in that world, that's ebbing away. Unfortunately, the sanctity, the meaning uh, and, the, and the recognition of the importance of uh, the marriage and family is depleting in many, many parts of the world. Now, contrast. Yeah, I, I want to follow up on that, Johnny, just one second. I agree with you, and Israel's birth rate reflects that. The value of marriage, the value of family, and, and, and I, I once heard Chaim Davon give a fascinating talk on the decline of birth rates in the Western world, how Europe simply isn't re replacing itself, and how they have to import you know, immigrants from all these countries to do all the jobs that nobody's around to do anymore. And it's all interconnected. It's all so intimately connected. Right. And you mentioned now, the sanctity of marriage as well. Correct. So in Israel, we still have that. It's it is diminishing, and, and all the statistics show that. But we still got as a big headline in the consciousness of our citizens, people of some faith and many of none as well, the importance of marriage and the family. And what we need to distinguish is the uh, the sanctity of marriage and the mechanisms for marriage. Baruch Hashem, here in Israel, we still believe in the sanctity uh, and, and importance of marriage. For some people, though, the current mechanisms don't work. And while I may have an ideological viewpoint, there is certainly a, a slice of that population for which that's just not fair and it shouldn't be that way. Right? We can debate who that is. But I do want to reflect on my favorite TV show, which I'm still, I'm actually a few uh, 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 shows behind, which is MasterChef. I think I've probably mentioned to you. I love watching MasterChef because... It gives a really good glimpse <laughs> of regular Israel and regular Israelis. Um, it's the only show I watch a year, and we're midway through. And why do I mention it? Because two things happened in, in the last episode I saw. There was a young woman who was born in Israel, had moved to the States, and was there for many, many years. And, and she moved back to Israel. And both these conversations, by the way, involve a judge called Eyal Shani, who is not renowned for being the most observant. Unfortunately, the judges and many people there cook, not kosher. And it reminds me of the work that I have as a religious Jew to, that not all people are observant. Meaning, I, I watch this and I take and put musr on myself. So here this lady said, she said, I came back to Israel. He said, why? He said, she said, I had a, 
a, a dream that my grandmother spoke to me and said, go back, get married, have a family. She said, so I've done that. And I'm still looking for Mr. Wright. And they said, you know, it's a beautiful thing when four not so observant judges are saying They didn't that. turn to the, the television cameras and say, know anybody bad, know anybody eligible? Right, they kind of did. Call the second number. case, by the way, was uh, <laughs> another contestant. I think it was it was a, uh, a guy who was engaged. That's right. He was engaged um, and he was cooking. And he spoke to again Eyal Shani. He said to you, engage when you're getting married. And he said, well, we, you know, we want to wait till Corona to have a big wedding. And Eyal Shani, this is not religious justice. What are you waiting for? Get married. Okay. All you need is a million of people. Here, we're two. Get a few other people. Get on with it. It was just That's so funny. beautiful to hear somebody who is not speaking from a point of religion, but is speaking from a point of profound tradition saying, I believe in a family. I believe in marriage. Don't delay. If you can, you should. And so that heartbeat of the marriage and family is still there. The mechanisms don't work for everybody. How we find the right balance, I think, is one of those really tough questions. Um, and I know some solutions have been suggested. For example, we didn't mention, but some people said rather than traveling to Cyprus, why can't we do civil marriages in embassies? Because technically an embassy is a different country. That was suggested by some Chavrei Knesset. Other people said, especially during COVID, we should expand the civil union law for citizens, not just for people without affiliation, but those with as well. I I'm not somebody who knows sufficient about the nuances of the law. My feeling is like you, which is, I believe we need to identify further pathways, but there is something profound that the majority of the population of the state of Israel veer towards wishing to be married. However, sorry, there's one final thing. It's important to say, I don't know if we mentioned this, I, like, I got cut off for a second. This would never, meaning the, the while uh, it would never pass in Israel, most Israelis don't want to change this law. You know, there's an issue of fairness, but but there isn't that much pressure among the different areas of pressure brought to bear in religious issues of religion and state. This is not one of them that most Israelis have a problem with. It is a problem because, especially for the Russian community, for the represent for Viktor Lieberman and his party and the Russians, many of them who are not Jewish, who don't want to be Jewish, they they want to be Israeli, but they they want full rights and full citizenship. They bring it. They bring this issue out because that that's a problem for their constituency, but. You, you would never hear an outcry. So this is one of those areas where the, you know, the, the Israeli public is screaming that the rabbinate is not fair. They agree with it. They, they, they want to get married, like normal. I, I would say I, I one further thing. Worthwhile. I think that, that, that the fact that it's, it's what you said before, and the reason for what John is describing, I think, I think the two things feed in. Because Israelis can't imagine a wedding without a chuppah and without that rav who's doing whatever he's doing, that's part of why um, they view marriage the way they view it right so so you know to do, yeah, it's so interesting because like out. when we grew up how did we when we grew up how did we think about marriage with the way we saw it in movies right. like you know not the way you know so so our vision of marriage was a much more christian or secular view of marriage you know when you saw it on a tv show until you got old enough to actually go to weddings whereas here the the idea of the ideal marriage is first and foremost like you said, a chuppah, like that's the public set, you know. So that was a, that was a point I wanted marriage. to actually mention. Uh, and I um, see we've presumed that a civil marriage will look different to a religious marriage. Some years ago, uh, I lived nearby uh, a liberal rabbi in England. So, uh, you know, I don't know if you know much about the, the denominational streams sometimes have different labels in England than elsewhere. But uh, let's say a liberal rabbi. And I remember we were talking. He said, have a look at my website. And 
what I realized is he performed um, basically marriages into marriages and things like that. What he would do is make it feel like it was Jewish. He'd bring a chuppah and, and call it a Jewish-like, you know, kosher-style wedding. Now, I have to tell you, when I read about what he was doing, it angered me. It's like, I don't mind that you officiate marriages, but please don't try and give it this allure Right, this this uh, perception that what you're doing is a halachic marriage, a traditional marriage, when especially most of the marriages he was doing precisely don't fit in that box, even according, by the way, to some of the definitions of what is acceptable in liberal Judaism. And it really, it really bothered me, uh, you know, that, that kind of of misrepresentation. So I mentioned that because we you could have made you, you could have gotten farther with him if you had called the cultural appropriation. Okay, right. But my, we're <laughs> presuming that if a civil marriage opportunity could be created, it would be vastly distinct. I don't think it would. I think people would want it to look as close to a chuppah as possible and say, we're not claiming to be rabbis, but who say we can't put a piece of uh, material above the wedding? The problem would be that it would be hard to tell the difference. And so you're, what you suggested is it should be hard for them to do that and easy to do that. I'm saying if they look the same, even if they don't smell the same, for many people, they are the same. Yeah. And how you'd have to... So it was interesting because I was planning to say that both both you said, oh, there's a vast difference between a chuppah and not. Who's to say that person doing a civil marriage wouldn't want it? They'd precisely want it to look like a chuppah, which is part and parcel of the problem. Well, the interesting question, Johnny, would be like the marriages that take place in Cyprus, I wonder if they bring a chuppah, if like the company that does it, like right. they mass, you know, or it's just like, no, you just signed a document in Cyprus somewhere. I, don't, I have no idea. I really have no idea. Yeah, but that location already indicates a sense of doing things outside. Right, right. You're probably right. And then they come back here and have a chuppah ceremony on their own. They, could, they probably have their own you know, full right. marriage or what, or what I have you. I think that John is raising an thing I've never thought of, which is one of these perhaps unintended consequences because kosher style stuff sometimes erodes actual authenticity, right? I think that's a lot of what happens in America to, to Judaism was that um, with time, style, style like Judaism replaced actual Judaism and we see that, that, that the, the, the fake, the plastic is, doesn't, it doesn't hold up. And so that's an interesting question. It's like, would that be good or would that be bad if you ended up with this alternative thing, but it was like kosher style, right? Chuppah style, would that actually be better or worse for the country? It might not be necessarily better, meaning which is why the argument is still saying that, 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 that... I have to say, I, in my experience... The majority, wait, this in my, finish my point. Yeah. The majority of chuppah kedushin should still be happening through the rabbanut or through some you know, some type of... Um, orthodox system that 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 keeps the marriage authentic, and then I, I'm not against this idea that you're saying of finding some alternative other way. I'm just saying it's interesting to reflect on. I don't know if that way should look. I don't know if it's a good idea or a bad idea for that way to look like the actual. You know. No, I don't know if it has to look like orthodox, anything. It could be signing whatever. a piece of paper Wait, somewhere. I want to say, I want to say, I want to, I want to say the opposite side. Of what you said, of what you said, like you said, when it when it looks like, or or I, I was I was I lost my train of thought. I totally lost my train of thought. You were saying something about, about how, how civil marriages yeah. with chuppahs. Ah, no, I lost my train of thought. 
okay, sorry it happens. I, I should have written it down. I was going to respond, um, but I forgot what it was about. Um, I think, do we want to end off here? I think we're, we're almost out of time. I think we sort of, it, it's just something that's really like, I am totally motivated by or fascinated by issues of religion and state. How, you know, Israel like is a Jewish and a democratic state and it comes up over and over and over again and how on these fault lines, uh, it really, these are really, really in, like important issues. It doesn't affect us necessarily on a day-to-day -day basis, but affects the fabric and the nature of, of what the Jewish state is ultimately and has, has great, great impact and great effect over the course of time about the nature of Israeli society. So uh, I think I thank you guys for talking about it. It really was uh, very important to, me for, to discuss. We'll end off here with our Hamlatzot. And I demanded that people have them, so I hope they do. Molly, you have something? I do not. I'm sorry. One day I will have a Hamlatzot. Do you not, I don't did have you a not, like, I'm sorry. I'm not going to be a Mamlit something that I don't... What do, you, what do you want me to be Mamlit? Give me like a... I don't know. I, I, some, some piece of culture, a song that you enjoyed recently over the week, oh, an boy. article you saw in the newspaper. No, you can only give it now. You're out. Johnny. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> um, I, I also, truth is, wasn't sure. But I, I listen to lots of music when I work. And uh, I was recently seeing my wife and I said, maybe you'd like to listen to this piece, which I play quite often. It's a four piano, they call multi-piano uh, concerto, uh, playing both Bach and Vivaldi. I didn't actually initially realize that these are Israeli musicians. If you, if you put in YouTube Bach, slash Vivaldi concerto for pianos and it's just magnificent watching four outstanding pianists play in in unison and and make great music is is just wonderful so when I'm doing editing or, or writing articles um generally I've got classical music in the background uh but great classical music and uh this is one of my favorites so that's my Hamlatza Okay, I'll conclude by be, I, I actually I saw a link to this today. I wanted to and, and I think it's worthwhile to be mamlitz. The Harvard University Center for Jewish Studies is having a an extensive like over a number of weeks international Zoom workshop on what is the Mishnah. So if you're into this kind of thing at all, it was I mean they had the first session today, but you can search for it and it's open to the public. These are things about really really world class. Uh, academic scholars on on topics that are that are connected to the uh, uh, the authority of the Mishnah, the history of the Mishnah. Search for it, Harvard Mishnah, and I'm sure it'll come up. And register. I listened to the first hour today before we started our podcast. It's pretty interesting. So if you're into that, highly recommend it. All right, we'll stop here. I want to thank Molly Brovsky. I want to thank Rob Johnny Solomon. My name is Ruben Spalter. Have a great week, everybody. <laughs>